Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through chapter 10, verse 4. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the, of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Thus ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it become laborers in the Lord's harvest field. Years ago, when uh, God had called our family to, to, to go to Thailand, we honestly, we really didn't have a clue what we were getting into. To, to help us prepare, our mission agency sent us out, sent us out to Colorado Springs to, to get some expert trainings at this place called uh, Missionary Training International. There we, we were able to interact with uh, former missionaries and learn a lot about culture shock, stress, uh, and the transition that it would take in adjusting to a new setting. But with all that we learned, there was, there was one thing that one of our instructors said to me that, 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 that just stuck with me the most. He, he said that when you go into this new land, don't go in feeling like the weight of the world is upon your shoulders. Don't go in thinking that you have to do it all. That you have to forge ahead and blaze a new trail. Rather, you should go in knowing that God has gone before you. That the Holy Spirit is already there, preparing the hearts of the people to receive the good news of the kingdom. He is the one that blazes that trail for you, and you should follow, into his, follow in His footsteps. That was some good advice. Today, we, we, we've come to another turning point in Matthew's Gospel. The, the end of chapter 9 and the beginning of chapter 10 is this, is this transition from the ministry of Jesus, that, the, that ministry that demonstrated who he was, the authority that he has, and it transitions into the sending out of the twelve along with uh, increasing pressure that Jesus faced from the Jewish establishment of that time. But before we take a closer look at, at this transition, I want us to first remember where we've been. It was in, it was in chapter 4 that Jesus began his ministry. Look at, look at Matthew 4, verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Sounds like the beginning of this transition that we just read, doesn't it? 
from, from, from Matthew chapter 4 and then from, from the next five chapters, we witness Jesus doing this very thing. We, we, we heard the message of the good news of the kingdom in the Sermon on the Mount. And we saw him healing all sorts of diseases and, and sicknesses, and as well as casting out demons as he traveled throughout the land of Galilee. And because of this, the, the, the masses were coming to him in droves, as there was this messianic fervor that was brewing among the people. Jesus had shown his authority as both the Son of David and the Son of Man, and it caused the religious elite to take notice. Then it was just last week that we see that we saw Jesus cast out that demon that, that had tormented that man by making him mute. And when, the, and when the crowds heard this man speak, they were amazed. But the Pharisees had a different reaction. They, they, they said that it was by the prince of demons that Jesus drove out demons. And so what we see in, in Christ's ministry is that it drew two different responses. There were those who, who, who saw what Jesus was doing, and it brought them a hope that they hadn't experienced before. But there were also those who viewed Jesus as a threat. Instead of hope, they saw danger, because their own authority was being challenged. For the, the, the teaching of these religious leaders, such as the Sadducees and the, and the Pharisees, they had put a heavy burden upon the people. And Jesus was beginning to lift that burden up. He was offering them freedom, not only from disease and, and from the demonic, but from their sins as well. Which leads us into this transition. Look at Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. This is uh, almost the same exact wording that, that Matthew began this section with in Matthew 4. Matthew, what he's done is he has bookend these last five chapters with a synopsis of Jesus' ministry. And the message was clear. The kingdom of God had arrived and the good news was for anyone. Anyone could be a part of this kingdom. Even the, even the downtrodden and the, and the lowly sinner as they were being healed and forgiven. It was an invitation that spoke to the heart of men, offering, offering them hope when they had none. And what is this message? That the King has come. He has come offering forgiveness for sins to any who repent and trust in Him. Instead of being on the outside trying to earn your way in through your own merit, through your own righteousness, Jesus offers you His righteousness. And this same message, this gospel of the kingdom is true today as well. If you will turn from your sins and trust in Christ, in His death on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, and in His resurrection that brings eternal life, then you too will find welcome into His kingdom. Do you believe this message? 
Are you repentant? Are you trusting in Christ alone for forgiveness? He is the only one that can lift your burdens and give you true freedom. This is why the, the, the masses were flocking to him. For he was offering to the people entrance into the kingdom, whereas those religious leaders were trying to shut the gates. Look at our next verse. Look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The, the imagery that Matthew uses here would have resonated greatly with first century Jews. The, the, these people knew the ways of sheep and, and how without a shepherd these creatures were, were lost and, and a danger to themselves. For, for sheep have this tendency to wander off and, and find themselves as sitting ducks for, for wolves and, and for bears and lions and such. But, but Matthew didn't just choose this imagery because it rang true to the people. Rather, he was quoting scripture. And this is what, this is what we read in, in our first scripture reading. Look at, look at Ezekiel 34, verses 1 through 6. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and, and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel, who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and, and, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or, or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth. And no one searched or looked for them. This metaphor that, that Matthew uses of sheep without a shepherd is, is God's metaphor for, for any religious leader that is derelict in his duty. And the religious leaders of, of Israel were not taking care of the flock that God had entrusted them with. So when, so when Jesus looked upon the crowds, he had compassion, for they were weak and sick and injured. They, they had strayed and, and they were lost. And there was no one searching for them. Let me ask you, does your heart ache for the lost sheep of Allegan? As you are interacting with, the, with, with your community around you, with, with people who, who have left the church, with those who have never gone to church, with, with men and women who do not know Jesus? Are you concerned for them and their lost state? This word compassion, as it's translated in our English Bibles, comes from the Greek word uh, splagnizomai. 
It, it means to be moved in one's inward parts. It's that sick feeling that, that, that one's stomach gets as, as a person sees something horrific happen. Jesus saw the, 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 the masses. He saw their helpless state, and it caused his gut to physically ache. Tell me, do you groan for those who are destined for hell? Does it move you to grief and sadness? Are you inwardly moved? Jesus had compassion because the sheep were both harassed and helpless. And so he pointed the, this need out to his disciples. Look at, look at the, our next verses, verses 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Not only was shepherding a biblical theme, but harvest time was as well. A, a good harvest was a sign of God's blessing. But the harvest is also a time where, where there's work to be done. Look at Proverbs 10, verse 5. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Jesus says that now is the time to harvest. The fields are already ripe. The yield is abundant. But will there be enough workers? Brothers, sisters, do you believe that the harvest is plentiful? That there are people all around you that want to hear about this Jesus? Or are you asleep? I, I think all too often we are afraid because we think that no one wants to listen. We think that they have heard this all before and that they have already rejected Christ. The, the problem with this mindset is that God's word says something different. The harvest is plentiful. God is already working in the hearts of men. When Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers, he is assuming that God has already planted the seed, that he has already watered the crops and that these crops have already grown to full maturity. Listen, the, the, there are people in Elegant today whom God has been preparing to hear the gospel message. They have questions about life, about sin, about pain, about God. Are you praying for these people? Are you praying for workers to be sent to these people? Are you willing to be the answer to that prayer? Look at our last set of verses, chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. He called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles 
First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. No sooner does Jesus instruct his disciples to pray for workers does he choose 12 of, the, 12 of these men to be apostles. And not only does he choose them, but he gives them authority as well. For the past five chapters, we, we, have, seen, we have seen Jesus demonstrate his authority. And now he, he delegates that authority to these men. They too will drive out evil spirits and heal every disease and sickness. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful. Jesus is going to send these men out to the lost sheep of Israel, to those who are harassed, to those who are helpless, those who are without a shepherd. This is why he calls them apostles. This word apostle or apostolos in, in the Greek, it, it means sent one or commissioned one. They are, they are messengers that go out with the authority of the king. Just as, just as Caesar, the, the, the Roman emperor, appointed rulers underneath him. Men such as Pontius Pilate. Men who were stationed in the different regions of the empire to govern in Caesar's stead. So too, Jesus appoints these 12 men, granting them authority to rule, rule over the demonic, rule over disease. And they, and they go out and they proclaim the message of the kingdom to the towns and the villages around them. And who were these men? They, they were really just a hodgepodge of the, of the non-extraordinary. Some were fishermen, one was a zealot, another was a tax collector, and a few of them were, were the disciples of John the Baptist. And the rest, we, we just have no clue about who they were. You see, what, what you have to understand is that, is that none of these men were, were renowned or remarkable in any way. And yet these were the ones that Jesus chose. The only thing they had going for them was that they had been trained by Jesus. But now they had been granted authority as well. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26 says this, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. You don't have to be special to be used by God. You don't need wealth. You don't need fame. You don't need a degree from some seminary. God can use you just as you are. That being said, 
This doesn't give you an excuse to be lazy either. For those Jesus calls, he also prepares. Those, those he sends, he also gives gifts. Dear friends, there are, there are two questions that you should be asking yourself. First, what are you doing to prepare yourself to be a worker in God's harvest field? Do you know how to share the gospel? Do you know how to strike up a conversation that will lead people to Jesus? When people have questions, do you have answers for those people? 1 Peter 3, verse 15 says this, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. The call of a disciple is to give answers to a world that has no answers. If you consider yourself a Christian, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you have signed up to be a worker in His harvest field. In fact, this should be a desire of yours. For if your first love is Christ, then what moves Him to compassion should also move you to compassion. Ask yourself, when was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? Have you ever shared the gospel with someone? And I'm not talking about doing good deeds. Good deeds without the, without the message of Christ is like, is like sticking a band-aid on, on, on a man who's bleeding out. And, and atheists can do good deeds, but only a Christian can speak to the hope that is eternal. As a child of God, this is your calling. This is your mission. This is your legacy. Listen, I, I, I know this can be difficult. I, I, I know it can be scary. I get scared. There will be questions that you can't answer. There will be people who, who will just reject what you say. But, but really, what are your options? You can either be passive, saying nothing while, while the people around you are going to hell, or you can show them compassion. You can share the good news of the kingdom, praying that they too may have eternal life through Jesus Christ. This is why you need to prepare yourself so that you can give an answer to those around you. The second question that you should be asking yourself is this. How has God gifted you? Think about the ways that you can use that gifting to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to others. Friends, God didn't bless you with your abilities for your own benefit. He did so so that you might bless others, so that you might show compassion to the lost. The harvest is plentiful. Just, just look all around you. There are, there are lost people on every street corner, 
And without Jesus, they are destined for hell. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And then prepare yourself to be the answer to that prayer. Let's bow our heads. Father, help us to believe that your Holy Spirit is preparing the hearts of those around us. Help us to be those faithful workers in your harvest field. And we pray that, that, that others would, would join us. That, that there, there would not be a shortage of workers in, in the town of Allegan. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.